Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. Hour number two of our broadcast. Thanks very much for being with us. I'm Bill Shanks. We'll start taking your phone calls later on in this hour. A couple of things here. The New York Giants are signing Daniel Jones to a four-year contract for $160 million with $35 more million in incentives. Oh, to be a mediocre quarterback. He had 15 touchdown passes last year, last season. 15. And he's getting uh, – and, look, he did show that he looked like he was going to be a good quarterback for them. So I understand it. It's just a lot of money. Again, it proves the money that you have to pay for a quarterback when you – have that first contract expire and that's what the uh, Falcons are not in right now with Desmond Ritter which makes him even more attractive to try to get him to win and play hard and play well on a cheap deal so anyway another quarterback deal reached and again if you've not heard Lamar Jackson is going to uh, have the non-exclusive tag on him which means a team can offer him a deal Baltimore can either match that deal or they can say no thank you and get two first-round draft picks from the team that does, in fact, sign him to a contract, and the Atlanta Falcons will not be one of them. The Orlando Ledbetter and Josh Kendall and Peter Schrager of the NFL Network and also Diana Rossini of ESPN all reporting that the Falcons will not be involved with Lamar Jackson. All right, let's talk uh, more about the Georgia Bulldogs and the Combine and bring in Jake Roos from On3.com, DogsHQ.com. Hey, before I forget and we get involved in the Combine stuff, I want to hear what you have heard about Dylan Rayola and his visit to Athens this past weekend. What have you learned about that? He is, of course, I should say, I should just say his name, but he, if you do not know, is the, or Jake does, but our listeners, is the number one prospect for the next recruiting cycle, top quarterback, top player in the country. Yeah, you know, uh, Dylan Riola is uh, a guy everybody's, of course, going to want to know about. But, uh, you know, Georgia didn't play host to anybody this past weekend. Uh, they, they, were, uh, they were on spring break. So uh, he was, he, he, I think, I uh, believe he made his way out to USC and uh, had a chance to go see the Trojans, and um, okay. uh, it was one of those. Yeah, it was. For, but it's a, it's a, that's a, it's an important visit. All the same, he's a guy who uh, things have really picked up strongly uh, with USC coming off of that visit. Now, I caution people on that though, because it does feel like with Riola, a lot of it's kind of been, um, you know, who's uh, who's gotten the last visit. So. I, you know, until we get an indication that he's ready to make a commitment, I hesitate to read too much into anything. I think that there's certainly an appeal when it comes to USC. I think you'd be crazy if you were a quarterback not to look at playing with Lincoln Riley. Uh, but right now, you know, until he's ready to set a date or, or uh, we hear that that's coming, I think that any projections seem a little bit early and a little bit, bit maybe uh, hasty for me. All right, well, we'll keep an eye on that for sure, as he is a, a tremendous prospect that uh, I know Georgia would, would love to get. All right, uh, in general, uh, let, let's get your feedback on what you saw from the Georgia players in the combine. Jake, what did you think about what you saw with the Bulldogs there in Indianapolis? Uh, more of the same, and, and that's good for Georgia. Um, tremendous performances all around. 
I thought everybody kind of, uh, you know, did a few things to help themselves. Kenny McIntosh, maybe probably the, the one guy you'd say probably had the, the more lackluster just given that, fourth, uh, that, that 40 time he had. But otherwise, look, Nolan Smith blew the roof off of the place. Darnell Washington was absolutely fantastic. I give credit to Jalen Carter for going back to Indianapolis and kind of facing the music a little bit after his incident. Um, you know, it was it was a good all-around combine for Georgia. I think, uh, like I said, kind of more of the same. Stephen Bennett, I thought, was tremendous. And, and I, in my personal opinion, had the best combine out of anybody for Georgia, just given kind of what the expectations were surrounding him going into this process. So, uh, you know, it, it ended up being a three-day commercial for the Georgia Bulldogs, and, and I don't think Kirby Smart would have it any other way. So did Stetson Bennett, in your mind, perhaps get into day two of the draft? I think so, yeah. I think that he has a real shot to do that now. I think that, um, listen, you know, a lot of these guys we were talking about going into this draft, everybody knew Darnell Washington, big, strong, fast guy. How fast, we weren't sure, but we knew he was quick. He, He put together an outstanding showing. Nolan Smith, tremendous athlete, knew he could run. You did not hear Stetson Bennett's name being mentioned with the likes of guys like Will Levis very often going into this combine, and suddenly he's throwing the ball as fast and throwing deep balls that look just as nice as that guy. I think that he's got a real shot to play himself in like that. You know, it's going to take a team, I think, falling in love with him and seeing the upside. But, you know, when you've got a league like this where guys like Brock Purdy are coming in, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, you've got, you know, backup guys that are being successful. I think that uh, a team can get out there and take a chance on a guy like Stetson, especially if they believe that he can be a usable uh, backup in year one, and and who knows what the future holds for him. But I think that uh, his his overall performance was really a standout in terms of uh, what he was able to put on the field. It would not shock me at all to see him as a day two guy, in my personal opinion. Jake Roos, our guest on 3.com, dogshq.com, at Roos Recruiting. All right, as you can imagine, Jake, we have been discussing discussing the Jalen Carter situation at length over the last couple of days, both for him personally, professionally, and then with the Atlanta Falcons, kind of taking, trying to put ourselves in their shoes to see what they would do if, in fact, he were on the board, for example, at number eight, what do you think with what we know right now, which is 4.06 on March the 7th, and we know with, the, with all this stuff that things could obviously change with what we find out, but what would do you think his situation is, and what do you think the Falcons would do if, in fact, he were on the board at number eight? Well, uh, first off, I, I, I hesitate to predict anything the Falcons will ever do because they, they're <laughs> – they're going to do the worst possible thing in most cases. So, um, no, I, I really – I think that – I don't see it as a deal-breaker for Carter. I don't know that it's a case. I haven't heard that personally from anybody. I mean, it, it's – I think the, the real thing is what happens now. You know, is there more to come from this, and how does that shape things out? But based on what we know, know right now, I don't see it as something that's going to uh, knock him down draft boards uh, far, if at all. Um, you know, I think that what we're going to see in, instead, where we had him maybe projected as a number one overall guy, is it looks like there's going to be a run on quarter, quarter, uh, quarterbacks, and that's going to maybe bump him down a little bit. But I don't think he's getting much past, you know, that those, those you know, seven to ten spots. I, it would shock me to, to learn that. And like you said, if the Falcons have that opportunity and they don't do it, that would be such a huge misstep, but so characteristic of them. Um, I would – 
I, as a Falcons fan, I would be devastated to see that. He's a game changer no matter how you frame it up. And listen, they were willing to roll the dice on a guy like uh, Deshaun Watson, who certainly carried some baggage along with him. I don't think Jalen Carter's is approaching that level. So if you feel like he's a guy that can uh, really affect the, the uh, defensive line in the way that you know Georgia fans have seen that he can for several years now, I, I think they would be really remiss not to take the shot. Let me real quick let everybody know that Georgia Tech has just beaten Florida State in the first round of the ACC tournament as Josh Pastor tries to keep his job. Georgia Tech has won 61-60 to over FSU, so it's a great win for the Yellow Jackets. All right, Jake, back to the Jalen Carter story here. And, again, we were talking this thing over and over and over and over again, and, and – um, you know, he's going to have to answer more questions from these teams. He's going to have to sit down and the heck with what he's going to have to do from the legal perspective of his charges. But he's going to have to face the music. He's going to have to have the questions thrown his way of why were you speeding? Why were you racing if you were? Why did you leave your teammate if you knew he possibly could be dead? Why did you have to be called back to the scene? A lot of those questions. How much of that bothers you or do you think it will bother people in those positions to the point where they'll overlook the fact that this young man may be the best talent in this draft. I, I personally think that it's going to be the latter. I think that people are going to be able to overlook pretty much anything outside of, you know, a, just a direct, uh, I, I mean, it, it, at this point, I don't know what he could have done uh, based on what we know that would implicate him in a, a super serious manner uh, to a point that uh, an NFL team wouldn't be convinced. Uh, was he driving fast? Yeah, sounds like it. Was he racing? Yeah, possibly. Sounds like it. But, you know, w- was he doing it while intoxicated? We don't have anything to point to that end. Uh, we nope. don't have anything to suggest that, you know, he was somehow involved in what transpired in terms of, you know, people going off of the road or whatever. I'm not saying that stuff can't come out, and it very well may, but as at taking it at face value as we have it right now, I don't think that there's anything to in, implicate him, uh, you know, as much, much of a danger to a community or some sort of, you know, uh, a bad apple. Um, you know, he sounds like a kid who's got a little bit of a lead foot and he likes to show it off a little bit. And I think for the right price, he can probably figure out how to not do that and maybe even get a driver to take him around. But I think the teams will overlook it, just given the talent that he is. I don't see it as a, a huge holding uh, hold back for him. I don't see it as a, an opportunity for teams to, um, you know, uh, raise red flags about character or anything like that. Like I said, to me, speeding – I, it's it's a blurry line. I don't consider it a, a character issue. Is it dangerous? Is it irresponsible? Certainly. Does it show maybe a, a lack of judgment? Sure. But I would say it's maybe the number one crime that's participated in uh, across America. So at the same time, I think you gotta you got to take it with that pill. Todd McShay of ESPN had a mock draft up today. He had the Falcons taking Nolan Smith at eight. And Jalen Carter dropping to twelve. Your thoughts on those two selections? I I would really obviously prefer Carter. I just think that he makes more sense for Atlanta. Nolan Smith, and I said this the other night on our podcast. Nolan Smith's a tremendous football player. I think of Nolan Smith as a football player, though. I don't know that he's a guy who has a direct home the second he walks onto the field. I think that he's a guy who can play a number of spots and kind of freelance a little bit 
in a defense. And so to me, he feels a little bit more like a luxury piece for a team on the back end that has the flexibility and a, and a solid core around him to have a guy like that who can go out there and just flash some tools. To me, if you're the Falcons, I feel like you have clear, defined needs that say, yes, we need a guy who can do X, Y, Z. Nolan Smith can do those things, but is he better just kind of floating around? I think so, personally. So, to me, I think Jalen Carter would would be the pick. But, again, we're talking Falcons here. Yeah, and and um, our skepticism of them doing the right thing is is uh, is shared for sure. Jake, look, I, I, I know that Todd McShay had the talk out there even before the accident on January the 15th questioning some character issues with Jalen Carter. In in your recruiting time and, and, in, and just being right around the program, did you ever hear any other questions about Jalen Carter's character? Never. No, not once. Um, I, in, in the entire time that I covered him, um, I've never heard anybody say an ill word about him. And the thing about it is a lot of people are kind of waiting to say those things. You know what I'm saying? Like when a kid has those issues, people love to talk about that. That's hot gossip. Yeah. He's not, he's not a guy I ever heard that about. And, I, you know, is it possible that it was the case and it was never brought up? Sure, of course. But it's not something that ever made it to my ears. I remember his coach uh, in high school. The one thing he told me that stuck out to me was that a coach uh, came into his office and uh, when he was recruiting Carter and said, uh, that kid right there is going to be a top ten pick in the NFL draft. And, hmm. and by, by all measures, uh, he's, he certainly uh, looks, the, looks the part. So uh, from a pure character standpoint, though, no, I, I've never heard anything like that. And obviously you saw that story about him buying the, uh, the defensive yeah. lineman's food as well. You know, I mean, you, you, you hate to speak to people and their character when you don't know them personally. But right. from what I know, uh, I, I've never heard anything to suggest Jalen Carter was any sort of issue for anyone. You know, it's such a um, a weird discussion, and as I've had a disclaimer on all these segments that we've had over the last week, um, we're, we're talking about football. This is a sports talk show. We know that two people are dead. We know that we're trying not to be insensitive at all to that fact. We're We're trying to talk about how this young man's future is going to play out professionally because that's what we do. Um, and while I have the questions that I was asking you earlier that I think that other teams are going to ask Jalen Carter in their interviews with him, the other thing that I can't get out of my mind, Jake, is the fact that he picked up a LSU offensive player like a rag doll in the SEC championship game to almost show his dominance on, on the field that day. He's a tremendous player. There's no question about it. Like I said, listen, if the worst thing about you is that you have a lead foot, I'm not saying that's not a, a problem. It is. But uh, that's, like I said, something that millions of people struggle with day in and day out. And it, does that necessarily mean that, you know, you're not going to pan out in the league, that you're, you, you're not cut for it mentally? I don't think it indicates any of those things. You know, was a con- I, I said this the other day on our message board, and I think it is true. I think a lot of people feel invincible until they have to suffer any sort of consequence. And you have to hope that this is the kind of thing that snaps Jalen Carter back into reality and says, look, I'm not just anybody anymore, okay? I'm a different kind of guy. My life's going to play out differently than a lot of people. And so maybe I can't participate in the things that most normal people participate in. 
you hope that's the case. I hope that's the case for him. You know, it, it takes young people to, to be shaken a little bit sometimes, and uh, I, I have a good feeling that if this isn't the one, then, then yeah, there may be a larger issue at play. But, yeah. um, you know, I think that this is uh, – I, I think that this is a really nice chance for him to kind of – push reset on everything and, and move forward uh, with what should be a, a very bright future for himself. Jake, Russ and I have talked the last two days after we have witnessed what happened with Darnell Washington in the combine, that it might almost be better for an NFL team like Atlanta with Kyle Pitts, like Jacksonville with Evan Ingram, like Kansas City with, with Kelsey, like Baltimore with Mark Andrews, to go after Darnell Washington compared to a team that simply needs a tight end because of what he's done at Georgia the last two years with Brock Bowers. Do you think a lot of teams will look at that as a possibility and in turn try to target that young man after what they saw in Indianapolis? I I think that that's definitely a thought process that will happen, but the, the real question is how badly do those other teams need tight ends? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like yeah. if you're taking a chance on a guy, I think he's a damn good one to take a chance on. He brings it all to the field. And really what makes him so unique, and I think it's going to be so interesting to see him playing out, is one of these offensive coaches who looks at him in the way that Todd Munkin did and said, look, we, got, we have a built-in uh, sixth offensive lineman here. We've got a guy who can really change the running game in our, uh, in our scheme. I think that's what's so intriguing about him. But what I'd love to see him paired up with a guy like Kyle Pitts, uh, yeah, absolutely. It, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes after what he did because, my God, it's just uh, it's unbelievable what that young man can do. He's, you know, it, it, his, his running and all the things he was doing athletically were already kind of impressive. And then all of a sudden he goes and catches that ball with one hand. You're like, holy crap, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And you wondered, you know, he's one of those guys that it certainly feels like the best football's ahead for. You know, it feels yeah. like we only got glimpses of what Darnell Washington could do at Georgia. And that's not to say that, you know, he was misused. I think that he did a lot of things that won't get marked on a stat sheet or that people won't appreciate it in Athens. But from a pure offensive weapon standpoint, you're probably going – I think everybody on earth would probably defer to Bowers first. But I think that in the NFL, uh, Darnell Washington can carve himself out a nice, nice uh, day – a nice, nice uh, career uh, if he's able to perform like he did in that combo. Well, if there was no such person as, as Brock Bowers at the University of Georgia, would Darnell have had more yards? Sure, but I don't think it's going to hurt. I don't think it would be any higher necessarily on the on the draft boards compared to what they've already seen from him right now. Do you? No, I don't. I don't at all. And you know, I had somebody on Twitter the other day that kind of got at me, and they said, "I said, you know, it, it was after his forty. I said you can only hope to contain him." And they were like, "Well, Brock Bowers did a pretty good job containing him. He was he couldn't even make tight end one." I said. How many people on earth could beat out Brock Bowers for tight end one? I mean, I, I got Travis Kelsey and uh, George Kittle as the, the front runners and maybe a push with Mark Andrews. Outside yeah. of that, mm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to roll with the young guy here. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's any knock on him. And, and plus, Georgia just wasn't running a situation where it was he was behind that way. I mean, it, right. it, you know, it, it, I think that uh, – I'm, I'm very intrigued to see, though, how he can fully be utilized in the NFL in a different scheme. And, you know, th- these are the great, supposedly the greatest football minds in the world. Uh, let's see how they're able to put together a, a package for this guy. Absolutely. And I can't wait for March 7th, 2024, when we're probably going to be sitting here a few days after the combine saying, did Brock Bowers really do that in Indianapolis? 
<laughs> oh God! Oh my God! Yeah, you, you talk about. I mean, listen, I, Brock Bowers isn't going to have to do anything. That's the thing. Brock Bowers, Brock Bowers can leave to, to declare tomorrow, not run, not run at pro day, and I, I guarantee oh, no. you, he's a, he's a top fifteen pick. No doubt, no doubt about it. Great stuff, Jake Roos on three dot com, dogshq dot com, and at Roos Recruiting. Jake, thank you. We'll be talking next week about spring practice. Can't wait for that. Oh man. Time. It feels like time, doesn't it? All right, buddy. Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much, Jake. Roos joining us here on the show and uh, talking football. There is plenty of football to talk about. And yeah, there's one week until the dogs get back on the football field for the first practice for spring. Week from right now, as a matter of fact. Next Tuesday afternoon, they'll be on the football field. So we can't wait for that. All right, we're going to open up the phone lines now, 478-646-3776. Your thoughts on all that's gone on today with Lamar Jackson not evidently being a an option for the Falcons. Are you okay with that or not? Your thoughts on Lorenzo Carter coming back as a defensive end. What does that mean for who the Falcons may target in free agency and – we can uh, we'll we'll tell you a little bit about what's going on more with Georgia Tech basketball game. Georgia plays tonight. We'll talk talk about that a little bit as we go along. Braves play in a couple of hours, so we'll tell you about that. Our number is area code four seven eight six four six three seven seven six four seven eight six four six ESPN. We'll take a break and be back with more sports talk on this Tuesday afternoon in the state of Georgia. Right after this. Back on the show. Thanks for being with us. 478-646-ESPN-646-3776 is our number. Georgia Tech wins in basketball against Florida State by one point. They are now 15-17 and 17 on the year. And they have now won four in a row and seven of their last nine. And I know we've asked this question for about a week, Russ, but has Josh Pastor saved his job? I, <laughs> you know, I mean, I said no yesterday, but if they win I again, I mean, I mean, may, the closer he gets to 500, I mean, he may save it, Bill. He may do it. I'm starting to wonder if it would almost be foolish to let him go now, and mainly because, look, it's not like they've had – instances where this team has given up right mm-hmm. i mean they they played pretty hard for this guy and they are smart enough i'd hope they would be smart enough and they are to know that he was under fire and on the hot seat and yet they've gone out there and they're seven and two in their last nine games and they're playing their hearts out and they may still be excuse me maybe a little under under talented compared to the opposition <laughs> but they're winning they're and winning so it makes you wonder if if that's that's their message to Jay Bat and the AD at Georgia Tech to keep him. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, one of the things uh, when the coach is on the hot seat, does does he maintain his players' attention? Do they keep yeah. playing for the guy? And I mean, this is, this is a resounding yes from this Georgia yeah. Tech team, and uh, it was it was a really good win today. They got down. I think they were down ten at the half. So a heck of wow. a job by them. Well, and think about in contrast to what happened right before the All-Star break with Nate McMillan and the Atlanta Hawks, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they had yep. two horrible losses. 
when they had had a three-game winning streak and you thought, okay, they could possibly have a five-game winning streak going into the All-Star break. Now, albeit one of those games was against the Knicks, and they're hot as hell right now. They're playing probably their best basketball in forever. But still, uh, Atlanta didn't show up in those two games, and out of the break, he got fired. And yet, here's Pastor. They're just they're they're winning, so that's good for him. We'll see what happens as we move forward. Georgia will play tomorrow against LSU at nine o'clock of the SEC tournament in Nashville. Georgia wins. They'll play Vanderbilt then on Thursday night at nine o'clock. They've lost five in a row, eight of their last ten games. So while Tech has turned things around and they are now close to the five hundred mark, Georgia would be at five hundred if they lose tomorrow night. So. We'll see what happens there. Of course, again, Kennesaw State deserves to be mentioned again. They're going to the big dance as they won their tournament over the weekend, being Liberty by one point. All right, the Hawks lost last night. And obviously we can't blame Nate McMillan now because he's gone. And I don't know. I don't know. I just watch this team and I try to almost look for ways that they're not making this easy, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense or not. There's just something the dots aren't connected. And I'm I'm glad they're doing it in front of the coach that's obviously going to lead them moving forward. I think in hindsight that was a perfect move. Whoever's idea it was, Quinn's or management or ownership or whomever, Nick Ressler, I don't care. I, I'm glad he's being able to see this firsthand. And I think he's going to have 20 games under his belt to go into the offseason to try to fix this. I think there's going to be significant changes on this team. I don't know how deep those changes are going to go. But in, in a competitive situation against a good team like Miami is, and Miami has good players, Bam, they've got Jimmy Butler, they've got, they've got good players. They really do. They're, it's a good team. Atlanta doesn't fit. Atlanta doesn't match up. And – I think having this new coach in place is going to cause a real strong desire and motivation to make the changes necessary to figure out how to fix it. I don't know what that's going to entail. I don't know how deep that's going to be for this team. I know everybody's going to ask about Trey Young. I'm not necessarily saying Trey Young needs to go, but I think that after these games, Russ, especially against teams that are going to be fighting for the playoffs, like Atlanta is, Quinn Snyder's going to know. No, that's it. I mean, he, he he's going to know, and he gets a chance to be, you know, in the in the locker room behind the scenes, and really, hopefully, be able to get his finger on the pulse of this team and, and assess exactly what they need. Um, th- there was one quote from Trey after the game that I thought sounded kind of encouraging. Um, he said, "We've been moving the ball, scoring. We've just got to make a little more effort on the defensive end." And you know, usually he doesn't talk about the negative kind of stuff and just hear him say, you know, we got to have a little bit more effort. I thought that was a positive. And the other thing about last night's game, and this may just be a matchup with Miami sort of a thing um, with this decision, but uh, Jalen Johnson played eight minutes and Griffin didn't play at all. Yeah. And that was a coach's decision. And like yeah. you said, I mean, we can't blame Nate McMillan for that anymore. No. And, and I think Ross, I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure that there was another game that Griffin did not play at all. I think he's kind of playing around those guys. He likes Jalen Johnson a lot, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And I mean, they both went to Duke. Well, all of them went to Duke, I guess. I could say A.J. Wright yep, as, along right. with Jalen. But 
I think he likes Jalen Johnson. I think he wants to see Jalen Johnson a little bit more. And again, what does he see, for example, in Jalen Johnson that could make him feel differently about someone else on this roster? Is he ready to give Jalen Johnson 32 minutes a game? You know, those are the kind of questions I think that he's going to have to a- answer him for himself with these 20 games. And But, hey, it may make someone expendable, someone that could be used in a deal. Or I mean, I hate to say DeAndre Hunter, but right? I mean, that would be probably who it would be. Does he feel like Jalen Johnson's upside is enough to go down that road to make someone like DeAndre Hunter more expendable? And and that be I think that's those are the kind of things that he's going to have to. I don't think there's any worry that him not playing AJ Griffin is an indictment on Griffin. I think he's just trying to. I think I read where he's trying to play matchups a little bit more, which um, uh, you know I'm sure has AJ Griffin a little disturbed and upset about because he wants to play. Everybody wants to play, but I I think he's just kind of playing around with it a little bit to see what fits he can find for this team and and where these pieces are because it this is a square peg and round hole type thing i think because i just don't i don't see the the cohesiveness that we saw in the summer of 2021 it ain't nowhere to be found russ because they're a 500 team right that's it they're not winning at a consistent clip and that's that's all part of it you know and i wonder too this just kind of popped in my head too with AJ Griffin. Is it is is he trying to see how he is Quinn Schneider trying to see how Griffin would responds to not getting minutes on you know? Yeah, I wonder about that too. But it's just this we we just got to keep reminding ourselves down the stretch here. Look, this team they're more than likely going to be in the play in tournament. I think they've kind of kind of accepted that, and it's just about getting a feel for these players, getting a feel for the chemistry. You know, maybe they're hopefully playing their best basketball when they do uh, get to that playing tournament. But I just think this stretch is going to be more about next year than anything else. Uh, I do too. I agree. I agree completely. And the Hawks will be back in action tomorrow night against Washington, seven o'clock, and you can hear it on the Super Stations. College baseball: Georgia plays against Georgia Southern in North Augusta today, and in Statesboro tomorrow. Game tonight, 6.30. Will we have that in Macon and Savannah, Ross, after the show? Uh, yes. Yes, we will. Okay. Cool beans. And then uh, tomorrow at 6 o'clock, as we said, Georgia Tech playing Lipscomb right now. We'll try to get you an update on that as we can. To the phones we go. Eddie from Ackworth leads us off. Hey, Eddie. Hi, Bill. How are you today? Good, sir. I can't watch the Hawks anymore. I'm just so done with it. Because y'all just huh. said it. It's it's preparing for next year. That's all it is. It's just yeah. whatever. They're just so frustrating. I mean, I, I tried to watch it last night, and the heat came back, and I knew it was going to happen. I went to bed, woke up. Yep, they lost. I just knew it was coming. It's just they're not fun. It's not fun. But. Nope. The fun we were having in summer 2021 is not here right now. That's for sure. It's gone. Like you like to say, he gone, it gone. Yep. Yep. That's not why I called, Bill. Uh, the one thing that you did leave out on the Falcons updates is they did not franchise Caleb McGarry today. Yeah, I was either. just going to say that. Yep, they yeah. did not. Which they still have a week before next before next Wednesday to come to a deal with him. So it's not like he's totally gone, but it, it seems like it's uh, with him not getting that franchise, uh, it, it could well mean that he's gone. Which, I, I mean, if they franchise him, you know they were going to have to. It was going to be seventeen million dollars. I, 
I mean, look, and I asked this question yesterday of Russ. I mean, if if Caleb McGarry was going to be a $17 million hit, don't you want to just go ahead and blow more and get Orlando Brown in here to play right tackle? Yeah, you took the words out of my I think it's $18.5 million, not to quote okay. the numbers, but I think it's actually eighteen and a half. And I'm with you. If, it, if it's going out there and spending a little bit more for a massive upgrade on the line, oh, I'll do that all day long because yeah. you upgrade the line, I have no problem with it, but I just, after hearing D-led, I trust that guy. I don't think the Falcons are going to do Lamar Jackson. No. It's fine by me. I just thought it was too much, giving up all those draft picks like we talked about, not to mention the money he's going to cost you, the guaranteed money he's going to cost you. I just didn't like that deal. But Todd McShay is making me drool all over myself. Possibility of Nolan Smith at eight? Oh, my goodness. So what do you do, Nolan Smith or Jalen Carter? They're both on the board. Okay, well, here's the, here's the thing, Bill. At eight, depends on who's available, right? I'll take any one of these four. Nolan Smith, Darnell Washington, Broderick Jones, Jalen Carter. I'll take any one of those four at eight, Bill. And I don't think any one of them's a reach for what we need and what the talent those guys have shown on the field. None of them are a reach. No, I mean, I, I you have to wonder. I mean, I think Nolan – if Lucas Van Ness, the kid from Iowa, was talked about as high as eight, I think Nolan proved with his combine, as long as he's healthy from his injury, he should be up there as well. So you've got that. I, I don't think there's any doubt that with Peter Skaronsky, the kid from Northwestern, Paris Johnson Jr., the kid from Ohio State, I don't know why Broderick Jones would not be in that same conversation with those three. So you've got that. You've got – I mean, I I think the Jalen Carter thing is going to be difficult because you cannot now, – now, look, if they sign Javon Hargrave next week, the story's over, right? Then Jalen Carter's not on the board. And, and, and perhaps, Eddie, the moves they make next week in free agency will dictate who we think, for example, even if you look at those four Georgia players, who they could be interested in and who they couldn't. But, I mean, if they sign a defensive tackle, then Jalen's not on the board, and maybe instead Nolan is. But, yeah, I think you're right. And and, and even Darnell, I mean, do you consider Darnell that high? I, I just I, – I hate to continue down this road with Darnell about the Falcons, and I, I don't know if he's the eighth best player in this draft. But I, I cannot get away from the possibility of having the same kind of impact that he had with the Georgia Bulldogs with a great tight end – and what could happen with him and Kyle Pitts together? Again, I I think that's more of an attractive, uh, of an attractive option for a team than oh God, we need a tight end. Well, you may not need a tight end because you already have one. But what would it be like to have both of those freaks? And I say that lovingly. Darnell Washington and Kyle Pitts. What were we saying two years ago? What was Russ? Russ was banging the drum about Kyle Pitts two years ago. I mean, he was saying best player at that position number four and he was a freak of nature which i think it's still correct so those two together you got to think about that yes well you just asked if, if eighth best player is darnell washington's draft i wanted to ask you in return was kyle pitts the fourth best player in the draft two years ago Absolutely that's a good not. well i mean I, yeah maybe at a I, position but not at four overall well, i'm talking about that's why i'm going to continue banging this drum and i'll admit it russ was right kyle pitts was a good move but if you if you pick Darnell Washington, even if you trade back, but if you take him at eight, I don't think that's a reach for everything you just said. He fits exactly what Arthur Smith wants to do, which is pound the rock. 
That's what he wants to do. Darnell is another lineman out there who, by the way, can go out there and catch passes and make incredible catches and run over people. That, that to me, is one of the most unique things we will have ever seen in the NFL. And how do you stop it? You can't. You can't line That's up. That's a great point. Yep, no, it, it is a great point. Eddie, thank you very much. That's a fair question, Russ. So if Kyle Pitts was the best player in the draft two years ago at number four, could we make a case for Darnell being the best player available at number eight after what we saw this weekend? Uh, I, I, that's tough. That's a tough one for me. I, I don't know if he's the eighth best. I mean, I, I think – I mean, for the Falcons and what they want to do, to Eddie's point, I mean, on their board, he might be. I mean, the guy's a freak. And it's not necessarily – you know, that was my thing with Kyle Pitts. It's not that you're drafting a tight end. You're drafting a generational talent. Um, and, and I don't know yeah. if I would say Darnell Washington is that, but how many guys at that size and strength and height can catch a football? So, yeah. I don't – I mean, I don't, I, I don't think it would be a reach. I, I really don't. I mean, it would be – well, let me say it this way. When we, you know, come in on Monday and we read the ESPN.coms and the athletics and the draft grades, it's going to get like a C- and it's going to be called a reach. But I'm not sure that it – for this offense, it might not be. You really have to think about the fact. Again, I, I mentioned this a moment ago. What if – and we're just playing with different scenarios here with the Atlanta Falcons. But what if the Falcons do sign to Orlando Brown next week? He is a kid from the Atlanta area. He, I don't know if he wants to come home or not. He may not give a damn about coming home. He may just want the most money. Who knows? But that's another part of the story. He is from the Atlanta area. He is the best offensive lineman on the market. I'm shocked to this moment that Kansas City did not keep this kid. And maybe they get him back. But, again, if Gary was going to cost you $17, 18000000 $18 why the heck wouldn't you just go ahead and play 20-plus to someone who is universally believed to be better in Orlando Brown? He's six eight three forty. That's what Orlando Brown size is six eight three forty. So you put him at right tackle, which by the way he played with Baltimore in his first couple of years. He played right tackle with Baltimore. He's six eight. I'm sorry. He's listed at six eight three sixty three. So you add to that line of scrimmage someone of that size, and then you add a second tight end. With the size of Darnell Washington? Get back to me on that one. Because that's going to be tempting, no matter what, to any team in football. It really will. All right, we're going to take a break. we got two on hold. Stay with us. Two lines open, 478-646-ESPN. Back with more right after this. Four forty-seven. We got a couple of phone calls to get to. Let's get back to them now. Four seven eight six four six ESPN. Paul is in Macon. Hello. Oh, hey guys. Uh, I love the idea of drafting some bulldogs, but uh, I think uh, Washington in the eighth spot would be an overreach. For the main reason, I think he's not a three-down guy. I think he's a in the pros. I don't think you're going to be able to run two tight end sets routinely. I think he's going to be an amazing guy to pick up in the second round. I don't think he makes it that far, but uh, I think, you know, if you get down 10, are you going to go with a two tight end set? You're going to be pulling your eighth draft pick off the field because you're down 10 points. I think, you know, you got to go four wide and five wide when you're down in other situations. So, uh, you know, two minute, you know, the two minute drill, you're pulling the guy off the field probably. You know, I think 
when you have a Pitts type, and to have Washington would be amazing. Uh, but I think he's going to be a bit of a role player like he was at Georgia. He never had breakout games at Georgia where he had nine receptions and dominated college kids. You know, he'd have two or three receptions and, and uh, you know, nothing that amazing. From a reception standpoint, but he did other things that helped an offense do what it did, didn't he? Oh, no doubt. The, the blocking is amazing, and uh, then uh, the plays you can run off of that blocking, the you know, the play-action pass, the whole offense clicked when we did that double tight end set. There's no doubt. And, and, uh, so you, you know. got to think about that with the Falcons, considering the fact that they like to run the football. How much would that help this team with the running game that Arthur Smith obviously wants to have? I don't know. He, I know he wants to have it, but you know the top five rushing teams in football, just about all of them missed the playoffs this year. So, you know that's not that's not winning football um, in the NFL right now. And you know I would love to have them, just not an eighth. You know we got to get someone who can get fifteen sacks. We got to get someone that can play every down. We need something like that. We can't have a guy that's coming in there. Oh, when we have a lead, he's great. Oh, in the first quarter, he's great. Oh, but two minute warning, we got to pull him. Um, uh, I just don't see that as an eighth pick. Okay, Paul, thank you very much. Russ, what do you think about that? No, I, <clears throat> I mean, I, I look. If that were to happen and they took Darnell Washington eighth, it's going to be called a reach. I don't, I don't disagree with that part. But the Falcons' offense—they're not going four and five wide just because they're down ten points. I mean, they're they're a run heavy offense and um you know you look at san francisco and philadelphia the league is definitely trending back in that direction all right let's get back to it let's go to pepper and viana hey pepper hey bell and uh russ and tell my good friend skip i said hello too but how about uh, we jackets? will how are you all right how about them jackets today yeah good win for him how about that you think pastor saving his job well, I, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, two or three months ago, I wanted to get rid of Pastner. And, well, wanted to get rid of Collins last year. But, hey, you know, basketball is a different game. I mean, you know, you you know, you know, you can be losing and you get the team behind. You can come back and play. And they, they're actually playing pretty good. I, I don't know what kind of recruiter he is that much. I mean, I don't know if he can get the top players, but, he seems to be doing pretty well here last of the season. I I don't know what to say other than, you know, I'm glad they're winning, but you know what I mean. What do you think? Well, I mean, look, I, I don't know this team very well. I, I know that they are 7-2 in their last nine games, and nine games ago we thought he was going to get fired. That came after like a nine-game losing streak, and for them to rally behind him, uh, when they knew he was on the hot seat is a, is a great testament to him, I think. So you, you've got to pay attention to that. I think it's going to make the, the, the conversation much more complicated for Jay Bat, uh, whether or not to keep him or not. And, you know, it may be one of those things where what the temperature is of, of the fan base, Pepper. I mean, if, if there's more fans that are kind of happy with the, the effort and for them to bounce back, then – then that's fine. I think the only problem is you have to ask the question, has he kind of gone gone past the point of no return? We thought that, and then they turned around and won seven of nine. So that's something Jay Bat's going to have to answer for sure. Right. I'm, and, you know, of course, we ain't got no money. But we got billions for building new institutions for kids to, to learn. 
But we don't have no money in that. Well, Pepper, here's the thing, Pepper. You need to go up there and tell those people what the hell the priorities are in life, like winning football games, don't you? Oh, don't you think I don't tell them? I promise <laughs> you. you got All right, money. Pepper, let me run. I got one more call to get to before the break, okay? We'll talk to you soon. Skip, I said hello and Russ. Okay. All right, will do. Ken and Macon Killer. How you doing? Uh, listen. I don't care what they say, Bill Shanks. Terry Fontenot and that Arthur Smith, they remind me of Dan Quinn and Thomas Demetrio a lot. They act like they don't even know what to draft. They need to get defense because they get burned. They need to get Chris Smith from the Georgia Bulldogs to help out in that secondary with that Terrell guy because they got burned all the time, and then they need to go out the offensive line. They don't need no help with quarterback to me. Get Desmond Redder to be that quarterback and do what you got to do. If you want to win, because y'all ain't using a liquor since uh, Terry Fontenot and, and uh, Arthur Smith and Arthur Blank, y'all need to wake up. Well, look, I think one of the things we're going to see next week, from all indications, they're going to sign a, a safety, and I think it's going to be Jesse Bates, who's from Cincinnati with the Bengals, and all that I've read about him is he's one of the top young safeties in the in the league. And he's 26 years old, and I think him going back there with Jalen Hawkins and A.J. Terrell will be a good thing. I think it's going to help the secondary a great deal. They brought back Lorenzo Carter today. I don't think there's any doubt. In my mind, they're going to get some kind of help also on that line of scrimmage. You know, I'd love for it to be Javon Hargrave or someone of that nature. The the, the defensive help's coming, Killer. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. I'm just going to be shocked if even before the draft we don't see a significant upgrade on this defense. Well, they better go with Desmond Ritter, the quarterback. The hit would get Lamar Jackson because if you do that, you're going to go way over the salary cap. No, he's not coming. And then you're going to be completely broke, and then you won't be able to do nothing. That's that's stupid if they do that. Keep Desmond Ritter and get a little backup. And do that and go get your offensive line, get defense, because you ain't going to get nowhere until you do, Bill. They just ain't. I'm with you. I'm with you. Killer, are you driving or are you riding? I'm riding. Okay, good. All right, thank you, Killer. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm just making sure. With that kind of rage and upset, being upset, I didn't want him to be driving. I didn't want to be anywhere close to him. Not that I'm driving, but, you know. Watch out for your fellow drivers. 478-646-ESPN. That's our number. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to talk sports with you as we continue on here on The Bill Shank Show.